On today's episode, I met with Bruce Hebel, who wrote for Giving Forward. He was in torment from some old wounds from old scabs when he got bitten by sheep that he was leading as a pastor. This led him to a lake house in Alabama where the Lord spoke to him. The Lord told him that he needed to forgive a certain individual. After some wrestling, Bruce forgave this man, which freed him. This led to a pattern of forgiveness in his and his family's life. Bruce talks about the scriptural basis for forgiveness and the protocols of forgiveness, which outlines seven steps that lead to the forgiveness revolution. If you are tormented by unforgiveness, this episode can help release you. But before we get to the interview with Bruce, here's a little plug for the podcast. If you like Talks with God, join our Facebook group. Search Talks with God on Facebook. You will get updates when the new podcasts are released. In addition, we will be sharing other podcasts, blogs, devotional stories, and scriptures that can help you in your walk with God. Also, I invite you to subscribe to Talks with God. Leave a rating and a review and share this podcast with others. Whenever you leave a rating or review, it helps more people find the podcast. Help us on our journey to bring people closer to Jesus Christ in our Talks with God. And now, Episode 8 of Talks with God for Giving Forward. So I have uh, Bruce Hebel, who wrote uh, For Giving Forward, and I just want to thank you for joining me on the podcast uh, this evening, Bruce. Well, Jeremy, uh, glad to be with you, man. It's awesome. Let so, me do it. Good, Bruce. Uh, so I heard about your book after I listened to uh, the Line Within Us podcast with Chris Granger, who was our guest last week on the podcast. Uh, and I will tell you that uh, when I heard what you had to talk about, uh, about forgiveness, you know, I've, I've always been a big proponent of forgiveness, but it, it really had some new ideas in there and, and something that really sparked me to want to research a little bit more. So I bought your book. And I started reading it. I started listening to some other podcasts, and and I just was intrigued by it. So I wanted to invite you to talk to you about uh, the forgiving uh, the forgiving forward book, and, and just learn a little bit more about your story. So I just wanted to welcome you and give you a chance to talk about it. Well, it's great. We love talking about it, you know. And um, I often say that uh, nobody in the Christian world says forgiveness is a bad idea. Uh, they just don't know why they should really why they should do it, and they don't know how. And so we kind of help people understand the, the the consequences of unforgiveness and why we really need to forgive. And then we try to help people understand um, the specific how-to uh, so that once you have these things included, you know you're forgiven and you get you find freedom. Because freedom comes at the end of forgiveness. It just does. So I'd like to start a little bit with your background. Um, you are a pastor. Uh, so how did you get started in the ministry? Yeah, well, I've, I've been accused of being a pastor. So, yeah, um, I, I was my dad was a pastor and uh, I was nine years old when I knew I was going into ministry, uh, which is kind of weird, but it's the only story I got. So I kind of stayed with that. And, um, and so I began watching my dad and I noticed that he uh, as a pastor, he got hurt a lot. Uh, because sheep bite, they they do. They sneak up behind you and they bite you in places you don't yeah. want to be. <laughs> and uh and you probably understand how you're doing some pastoral yeah, work in there yes and uh and so i said i'm gonna learn from my dad i'm gonna i'm not gonna say make the same mistake i'm gonna be blindsided like he was so i um i go to bible college meet tony we get married go to dow seminary get uh get trained by some of the most significant people on the planet um well equipped and we go into our ministry and we get bit hard uh multiple times and multiple locations over many years. Uh, and in fact, 
Tony, my wife, um, called in one of our darkest moments, the Focus on the Family Pastoral Hotline, uh, which is a little disconcerting that they need uh, a hotline for pastors, but they do. And thousands of people call them every year. And when Tony told them our story, they said it's the worst story they'd ever heard. Uh, why are you still doing it? It's because our call. So uh, we, I pastored for over 30 years. Uh, but what kind of brought us toward this direction is because I didn't understand forgiveness. I I think the church salutes forgiveness, but we don't know how to do it. And so I, that's what I was doing. I, I, you, if you'd asked me, I would have said I forgave. But there was about a year in my life when I was I was just in torment because the scab from an old wound got knocked off in a in a church situation. The church itself was doing well. We brought some. It was it was dysfunctional. We got there. We were bringing direction. Our our our, our leader, my leadership gifts, my teaching gifts, all of those were working and flowing. And there was there was health and growth happening in the church. But for me, I was tormented. The only word I can use. And so, um, uh, I. I through a long story, I ended up in a lake house in Alabama on uh, just a personal retreat. What, what's going on, God? And uh, the Lord kind of uh, spoke to me. And it uh, wasn't a laudable voice, but God, I think, speaks to us. And we don't always recognize his voice. We don't only hear him. But, um, and it's always a fast conversation that I have with God. And I always lose the argument. It's just kind of yeah. <laughs> And uh, he told me, you haven't forgiven, mentioned a particular man's name. And I said, no, God, I wrote him a letter and told him I forgave him. I forgave the guy. He said, I know. I read your letter. I read your letter. And uh, you shamed him in that letter. And I said, but God, he did all these things. He goes, yeah, but how many people you told about all the things I did for you coming out of that event? So how do you praise me and blame him for the same event? And I didn't have an answer. Uh, and so after... A little bit of wrestling, I made the decision specifically to forgive that man for the specific things he did for or to me and to my family. And it just changed my heart. My, my, I can't, the freedom that I uh, I experienced in that moment was transformative. And so I went home and shared it with Tony. She forgave, she got free. We gathered our kids together. They were in their late teens, early 20s, and pastors' kids get hurt a lot. And they had been wounded by the same guy, and we forgave. They forgave him, and then we burned all the evidence of the legally actionable things that had happened, and then we began to forgive other things and other people. And then we forgave them. They forgave us. They forgave themselves. Eleven hours in one day, our family dealt with old stuff, and it just changed our lives. So, um, I'll, you know, a few weeks later, I was able to help my dad forgive, and God just kind of started this whole process of me, of moving us out of the local church, the little C church into the big C church, because the big C church is sort sort of a mess now. And I think one of the primary reasons it's a mess is because of unforgiveness. So we're out. That's what we're doing. So when I read in the book, you, you gave some scriptural basis basis for forgiveness. Can you talk about uh, why the Bible says that we should forgive? Well, I, I think the Bible is clear that God expects forgiven people to forgive others, so much so that he actually connects his, forgi connects his forgiveness with ours. Uh, in Ma in uh, yeah, Matthew 6, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, there's, a, th there's only one clause that has a condition attached to it in the Lord's Prayer, and it has to do with forgiveness, but it's not the condition we would expect. Uh, if I were predicting Jesus was going to give us a Laws to pray about forgiveness with a condition attached to it. 
it would be, God, help me forgive others the way you have forgiven me. But it's really the opposite of that, isn't it? Right. God, see, what, what Jesus is telling us to pray in that model prayer is, Dear Heavenly Father, please use the standard that I use in dealing with the people who wound me as a standard you use to relate to me. Well, do we really want God using anything we do as a standard, particularly how we deal with wounds? Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's the only clause he gives immediate commentary to in, Matt, in, the, in the next verse. He says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your father will forgive you. If you don't, he won't. Now, he's not talking about eternal security. That's a whole different question. Right. But what he is saying is this. The way we deal with the people who wound us is how God will relate to us while we're walking around on the planet. And multiple times throughout the gospel, he says something very similar. In Mark, he says, our prayer life is impacted and in, in, impeded when we don't forgive. So, But the most shocking statement, uh, and, and, and one we really break down in the book, is in Matthew 18. In Matthew 18, um, Peter asked Jesus a question, how many times do I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Is seven times enough? Well, Peter knew that if someone sinned against you twice, you had to forgive. Right. After, but after three times, you can if you want to. But after that, you don't have to forgive. Probably shouldn't. So when Peter was saying seven, he's doubling the maximum of the Pharisees and, and adding one, looking for a pat on the back. Did I do good, Jesus? And Jesus says, about 70 times seven, which is 490 times, which is an unlimited number when you really think about it, isn't it? Because if you right. get to 460s and you're still counting, <laughs> you probably have not been forgiving. Because you're not going to keep track that long. Uh, and then, Jeremy, whenever you read the Gospels, Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is like, you really want to pay attention. Because what, what Jesus is doing is he's taking the curtains of heaven. He's kind of opening them up to give us a glimpse to how God wants things to work on the planet. And he says the kingdom of heaven is like and gives us a story or a parable or a natural account to teach a supernatural truth. And here's the pretend story he gives. There was a ruler who came to collect debts from some servants who owed him money. Some texts call them slaves. And that, which means one, they were not equal. One was under the authority of the other. Right. And first one he came to owed him 10,000 talents. He said, pay me what you owe me. I don't have it. Please, please, please give me time. I'll pay it back. He didn't ask for time. He asked for, I mean, he didn't ask for forgiveness. He asked for time. And uh, the ruler gave him more than he asked for. Instead of throwing him into debtor's prison, he forgave him the debt, which is a great story. But most of us, that most people I talked to, I didn't for many years, realize what a talent was worth in that day. It was a measure of money equivalent of 60 minor, which, is six, which was three months wages. So 180 months wages or 15 years wages for one talent. 15 years, one talent. This guy owed 10,000. That's 150,000 years worth of wages. Please, please, please give me time. I don't think any of right. our listeners have a 150,000-year mortgage. My guess is they don't make those things because no. no one lives there. So uh, at 50,000 a year, which is kind of the median income in the U.S., that's $7.5 billion that the ruler forgave. Right. Well, I'm thinking that would put someone in a good mood. I'm throwing a party. We're bringing the brisket. We're bringing Chick Fil A. We're bringing all the stuff. Right? It's on me. Everybody's. We're having. A, we're having. A, we're having a great time. 
This guy didn't do that. He found another servant, someone under the same ruler's authority online with him, who owed him 100 days wages, 16 grand. And same appeal, please give me time. And the first slave choked the second slave and threw him in prison. And the ruler summoned him and said, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you asked for mercy. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave the same way I had mercy on you? Which I think is a legitimate question. And then it says, and it and the ruler handed him over to the tormentors because he was angry. And the text, and the ruler moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay what he owed. And what did he owe at this point? He didn't owe the money because you can't reclaim a debt you forgave, but he owes something. What did he owe? Should you not have also had mercy? He owed forgiveness to the next guy. And so uh, the torture in that day, and this is this is what's shocking, Jeremy. That you know, I, I study this. I mean, I, I taught this passage for decades without really realizing what he was saying. Uh, the torture in that day was a man who was assigned to the jail who was skilled at exacting the greatest amount of pain for the longest amount of time without someone passing out or dying. Think Braveheart at the end of the movie, right? You, we all know what torture looks like. Or, in, and um, and it's a horrific experience. Jesus leaves the parable, and he's now addressing Peter's question. Why is that important? Because it's no longer a pretend story. It's actually addressing the question Peter raised. And he says, my heavenly father will do the same to you if each of you does not forgive your brother from your heart. The same what? It can't mean anything but hand you over the torture. Right. That's what's shocking. He's talking to Peter and the, the leader of the disciples and the other guys he's training to take the message of the gospel viral. He says, my father's going to hand you over the torture if you don't forgive. There's a high, high, high consequence, unforgiveness. And the torture is also translated, the word torture is also translated torment. It's used 18 times in the Greek New Testament and every other time except maybe one. It's used in connection with hell and demonic activity. So what Jesus is literally saying is God withholds his protection when we don't forgive. He gives legal authority for demonic forces to torment us when we don't forgive. And it's not because we've been wounded, because we haven't forgiven it. That's shocking. Yeah, that that's really where it kind of changed my perspective. You know, I always thought about unforgiveness I've always thought about unforgiveness as something that it, it damages the person who is not forgiving. But when you, when I read the part where why it torments people, you know, that that was something that was really eye-opening to me. Uh, why do you think forgiveness is so hard for people? Well, I think um, I think because we we misunderstand the payment plan at some level. Uh, which I think is what Jesus is saying in this text. He's saying, yeah, the, the imagery is someone's forgiven an insurmountable debt, and now someone else under the same ruler's authority is not forgiving a smaller debt. And uh, we don't understand how much we have been forgiven. Uh, and what's interesting, the, 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 the word torment, uh, torture, torture means torment, and when we look at torment in our culture, all right, you look around, and, and for our listeners, if you've got depression, anxiety, 
you've got uh, anger issues, you got control issues, you have addictions, all of the addictions, alcohol, drug, sex, uh, uh, anger issues, paranoia, some physical issues. Those are those are those are expressions of torment, and literally, God is giving demonic forces authority to do those things to us because mm-hmm. we have. Um, before I answer the why, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an ex- uh, a, a story, an example of a guy that I helped. Uh, his name's Larry. Uh, he lives in lives in Dallas, and he gives us total permission to share his story. Um, and I'll, I'll keep it short. But um, uh, we were at a I was at a small group meeting, supposed to be social, whatever. And get, Larry comes, somebody invites him, and the 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 Head of the small group told me Larry's the most bitter man I've ever met, and anyone's ever met. He's full of bitterness. So at the end, everybody leaves, and Larry's sitting there. So I sit down and said, Larry, tell me your story. Because one of our goals is to help people free from torment, right? To help them learn to forgive. And uh, quick version of Larry's story, uh, 10 years prior, his wife and teenage daughter had been seduced by a pastor at the church they were at. And uh, other women, had, he, the pastor done to other. In fact, he's as far as I know, he's still in Huntsville prison for wow. what he did to the underage women. And Larry said, "I wanted to kill him, and I was on my way, and God literally stopped me and stopped me, and I will never forgive him." That's a horrific. His wife divorced him because of her shame and all that stuff. It's it, yeah, that's bad, really bad. But it gets. It's not the only bad thing. There's something maybe even worse is that a year before that, uh, his son, who was a, a, a Marine, a, a Marine who'd come home from the war with PTSD, had a bad encounter with a lieutenant from the police department in Dallas. And long story short, the kid tried to commit suicide, shot himself here in the shoulder, which was not really a suicide attempt for a a, a Marine. That was a cry for help. And the police officer, two police officers and those lieutenants showed up at his apartment and shot him six more times and killed him. And Larry said, I'll never forgive the police department because the police, they investigate it and they'll build it. There's no charges. So I, I, so Larry, I can't imagine what you went through with that pastor. And I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed and ashamed that somebody in my profession would do that. And I can't imagine having my son murdered by police. But I said, Larry, your torment is because you haven't forgiven it. And you won't be free until you do. And Larry said, I'm not forgiving. I said, okay, you don't have to forgive, but you're going to be in torment. And I said, going out to, at the bedroom, I was staying in because we were staying in the late, that couple's house. I said, I'm going to sleep well. Now. I sleep well every night, but you haven't slept well for over 10 years. Why would you want to? I mean, are you enjoying your torment? Why would you want to continue in that another night? And I and Larry made the decision that night to forgive both the pastor and his wife and the police department uh, officers and the police department for what they did. And everything in Larry's countenance shifted. He's a completely different man now. Uh, in fact, now he's on a crusade to encourage and affirm and minister to police, the police department of Dallas. It's changed his life. Wow. And the question you asked earlier is why? And I want to give that story because I want people to know this is this is incredibly practical. And we could give you hundred, I could give you hundreds and hundreds of stories like that. Couples in crisis come back. Freedom happens when we forgive. So why does God discipline unforgiveness this harshly? Because it is a discipline. God is disciplining us 
by allowing the tormentors. God doesn't fight Satan. He uses him, right? And he's using him to discipline us. And the reason is because forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. You can't cut the gospel anywhere. It doesn't bleed forgiveness. Uh, Luke 24 says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again on the third day so that. What, what the so that is a purpose clause. Why is that important? Because the purpose clause always, with the purpose clause, the main goal follows, doesn't proceed. Whatever comes before the purpose clause is the means to the main goal. And so the death and resurrection of Jesus is, is a pretty big deal. It's, I mean, it's, it's the biggest deal ever, but it's not the main event. The main goal is that forgiveness or repentance for forgiveness of sins be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Forgiveness is the core of the gospel because the gospel is simply this. And, 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 and this is where if we grab this, what I'm about to share with you, if we can grab this, it changes everything about forgiveness. On the when, when Adam and Eve sinned, not only did man lose a lot, but it impacted God. We lost the relationship we were designed to have with God, and God lost the glory we were designed to give him. And God said, I want my kids back and my glory back, but there's a problem. There's a sin debt. They cannot pay it back. It's more than 150,000 years worth of wages. Jesus, is there something you're willing to do? Sure, Dad. He leaves heaven, comes to the planet, stretches his arms, says, it is finished. What was finished? The payment for the sin debt of the world. 1 John 2, 2 says, he, Jesus, is the satisfaction for our sins, but not for ours only, but also the sins of the world, the whole world, which means people don't go to hell because they've not been forgiven. They go to hell because they've not repented to receive the benefit of the forgiveness, because every sin ever committed by anybody anywhere on the planet, past, present, or future, paid for by Jesus on the cross, it's finished. It's covered. Nothing's left to pay. Three days later, God the Father, when he raised Jesus from the dead, said, I agree. I receive the blood of my son as payment in full for the sins of the world against me. So when we say God may forgive, but I won't, we're saying the blood of Jesus may satisfy God for what that person did, but I need something more than that. The blood of Jesus is not enough for us. And what father would easily handle the crowning achievement of his son, devalued by the ones he achieved it for? We say it this way, the blood of Jesus covers all sin including the ones that wound for you or us. So that's that's the one that's we don't understand that our unforgiveness dishonors the very blood of Jesus that paid for our redemption. And we don't know how to deal with the payment. If there's so many people think that if I forgive you, I'm absorbing the debt. And it leaves resentment. That's the way I was with this guy in the past, right? With our right. But when I realized, no, Jesus paid for him too. It changes, it just changes the calculus. It's already been paid. They don't owe me. They don't, I, I don't owe me. I don't owe God. I, God has, Jesus has paid for all of us. And if forgiveness is simply applying the blood of Jesus as payment in full for every wound I ever have or will suffer. It solves the payment question. I remember one time, I, this was, this is probably maybe, I can't remember how many years ago, but I was sitting during a, um, a service. I think it was it was around Easter. I don't think it was it was on Easter, but I was sitting around in this sermon, and I would just sit there and and I came to this realization, and and I and it was something that I I knew, but it was it was just like this realization. And I thought, gosh, even Jesus died for the people, sent them, sent him to the cross. He died for their sins the very sins that sent him to the cross. What did he say on the cross? What was one of the seven sayings? 
Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and 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 I think when I came to that realization, it, and as I said, I I knew that, but it but it just like hit me at that moment that if he can forgive the very people who sent him to his death, then why can I not forgive anyone for anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So, so one of the things that, that you talk about, and I think this is wh- why a lot of people struggle with forgiveness, is because, you know, they say, well, if I forgive them, if I forgive this person, then it it basically relieves them of of their of what they have done. They they basically, when you forgive them, it acts like you know they they don't have responsibility for what they've done, and and you do talk about forgiveness versus reconciliation uh, in the book. And that forgiveness is not actually saying, well, what that person did was okay. Uh, you, you talk about forgiveness just transfers the debt of that to Jesus. Can you, can you talk about a little, little bit about that concept and why people confuse the two so easily? Uh, the why, is it, uh, why they confuse it is... Um because there's a lot of bad teaching out there, I think. But um, but I think that, yeah, we can, as I told Larry, what happened to him was not okay. It's not okay, uh, but it was paid for. Uh, but reconciliation and forgiveness are not the same thing. So many people, I have pastor friends who believe that. It's not true. Uh, because reconciliation is the is two alienated parties coming back into agreement. Right. Well, if you've got a you've got wounded, you've got a, a, a someone who's been wounded, and you have someone who has done the wounding. You have the offended and the offender. Uh, well, reconciliation requires an act on both of those parts parties. The illustration we use: just imagine you can you know, a high top five seat table. All right, we're going to call it the table of reconciliation, and and there's three seats already filled at the table. You got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and it's called the table of reconciliation. It's the Father's table. Well, the one seat is 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 reserved for the person who's been wounded. I'm sorry, my thing is all tangled up today. Uh, the person who uh, has been wounded brings forgiveness to the table. So, and the person who's done the wounding. Now, again, what we were just saying earlier. Forgiveness doesn't say what they did was okay. It says it was wrong, but Jesus paid for it. So I bring that to the table. The person who's done the wounding, they bring repentance. And repentance is not changing your behavior. Although eventually, you'll, if you change your mind, I'll change your behavior. It's changing your mind. Metanoia, to completely change your mind. So repentance says what I did was wrong. What can I do to make it right? So how do we come into relationship with God? How, how, how does some person get saved? It requires repentance. Well, forgiveness has already been established, and Jesus is already at the table. He's already paid for it before the foundation of the world. He's waiting for us to change our mind about our sin and our and our need for a Savior, right? So reconciliation takes place when the wounded party forgives. What they did was wrong, but Jesus paid for it. And the wounding party says, what I did was wrong. I used to think it was okay. Now I know it was wrong. What can I do to make it right? 
at which time this per the person who's already at the table for having forgiven says, thank you very much, but Jesus has already paid for it. Now, I can forgive without the person repenting, repenting, and I'm reconciled with God, but I'm not reconciled with them. But if I don't forgive, I'm not reconciled with God either in a, in a, in a relational setting. So God always, 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 did I say always? I think I said always, always calls us to forgive first. He never wants our forgiveness based upon their repentance. Why? Because it has to be based upon the cross of Jesus, not their repentance. There's another more practical thing, is that if this person has not repented, they're by definition thinking wrongly. They're thinking badly because they're thinking they're not correct in their thinking. And we're allowing someone who's thinking badly to control whether or not I'm in torment, because if I don't forgive, I'm still in torment. And there is a, Jeremy, a deep theological term for that. Ready? Stupid. It's just dumb. <laughs> right? So God calls us to forgive. And if they repent, you're reconciled. If they haven't, if they don't, you're not. And we tell people, I'm just going to throw this in real quick, unless God tells you to, and normally it's only going to happen in a really close relationship like marriage, but unless God specifically tells you to, don't go tell them you've forgiven them. I see. Why? Because if they've not repented, they'll reject your forgiveness. And that's another wound you're going to have to forgive. And if they've not repented, their ego will get involved and they'll move further away from the table. So we say, come to the table, enjoy the, the appetizers and the, and the food at the table. It's an amazing place. They've got, they got incredible appetizers and there's no calories in it. It's awesome stuff. No, de no devil's food cake. It's all angel's food, right? So we're enjoying that. And God will send the Holy Spirit to draw them to repentance. God, I can't tell you how many times we've seen people who come to forgive. God does something in the heavenlies and draws that person to repent without the forgiving person saying a thing. Throw a lot of stuff at you. <laughs> yeah. So you outline in the book, uh, it's in the chapter, The Protocols of Forgiveness, uh, chapter eight, you outline uh, seven steps in the Protocols of Forgiveness. Uh, can you talk about how, how you came up with these protocols and just talk a little bit about them? Yeah, yeah, and we call them protocols instead of steps. Steps that we kind of move away from because steps tend to be sequential, and we think it's this, but and they are kind of sequential, but they're not. These are just more the ingredients that are required for the forgiveness cake to be to come out right. These are things heaven requires to be a part of it. And there's there's a couple of ways we got. God just I think downloaded it to us. Tony, when she were here, she tell the story about being on a lake, uh, deeply wounded by a. a, a person who was really close to her betrayed. And uh, so she went there and God kind of downloaded parts of this to her and kind of parts of us to us. And we just started figuring out, okay, what's required? What is it? And we just asked God and he just kind of, you know, we, we did research through scripture and all that stuff. Everything's there, but we think God kind of helped formulate this together. It's also interesting that we uh, met a lady in, um, in Jerusalem, who was translating us in an Arab church, uh, uh, and uh, she told Tony afterwards that that God had given her almost the exact same protocol. So we we know this is not us coming up with it. We think God is mm -hmm. clarifying it. So, but but the very the first 
five protocols are really the forgiveness protocols. The, the, the six and seven are how to deal with memories and how to deal with new wounds. So uh, the first protocol, which I think is just, it just makes sense, is, is uh, you thank God for forgiving you. It's the attitude of gratitude. It's recognizing that you're in the Matthew 18 story. We're the first servant, not the second one. Uh, and so recognizing we have whatever whatever anyone has done to us, as bad as it may be, pales in comparison to the to the contrast between our righteousness and God's our unrighteousness and God's righteousness. So God has forgiven us and done much more for us than we don't deserve. So we can easily forgive this. So thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for not requiring me to fix it. Thank you for not requiring me to pay penance, but do all these. I I I'll, I just have to believe and trust. Thank you that your grace is free to me. Thank you for paying for my sins. Thank you for dying for me. It, it just changes your perspective. Uh, protocol number two is, uh, and and we found actually in the in the book protocol number two and three. We've now kind of split because uh, we just found that as we were working people through these things. We tend to just do those in a different order. But the first, the second protocol uh, is uh, we uh, repent of our sin of unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness isn't a bad idea, Jeremy. It's a sin. And I think right. I, I established that it's the most harshly disciplined sin. And it's a it's a consequence. There's a discipline involved with that that we don't want to, we don't want to suffer. And so how do you deal with sin? Well, you repent of it. God, I was wrong to dishonor the blood of Jesus by not forgiving. That's really what people, when, we, when we're sharing this message, that first part we talked about, that's one of the biggest breakthroughs for people. Wow, I'm dishonoring the blood of Jesus. I'm saying the blood of Jesus is not enough. And when, when someone doesn't want to forgive, I often ask the question, so if the blood of Jesus is not enough to satisfy you for what they did, exactly what would satisfy you? If Jesus' blood isn't good enough, yeah. what would be? And so... So I... So I yeah, so I have a question about that. Uh, you know, that obviously works for someone who is a Christian and who, who believes in that. Do you, you have that approach? I mean, is there people who, uh, who have either believed or uh, who have turned away from God and have a hard time with that? that? Are there times where that concept is a little difficult for some people? Uh, sure. because, of, because of their unbelief. Mm -hmm. But we've led more people to faith coaching them to forgive than we have anything else in our entire ministry. I mean, it's crazy. But And I was asked a question. I was speaking at a large um, African-American church, civil rights level. I mean, a historic uh, civil rights church in Atlanta, and I was sharing this message. And after the message, I, there was a Q&A, and in and, and a, a Somebody asked me, who was an icon in the civil rights movement, um, said, so we work with a lot of groups, a lot of ethnic groups. So, I mean, a lot of religious groups. We work with Muslims and Hindus and stuff. We're trying to do stuff in the community. What if, what if they don't believe in Jesus? What do you share with them? And I had this answer. I said, there's a way and there's a not the way. Jesus is the way and every other way is not the way. So if, you, if they won't accept the way, I'm not going to give them a different way that won't be the way. I'm only going to show them the way. If they reject the way, I have nothing else for them. I have one bolt in my gun. It's the cross of Jesus. So this works, and if it doesn't, so we just we act as if this is the only way because, I don't know, it's the only way. And so we just share it. This is what we believe. You've got to repent 
you're saying the blood of Jesus isn't enough. And some people go, well, it's not enough. I don't believe that. Okay, then enjoy your torment. I don't have anything for you. Go to someone else and they'll help you manage your torment, but your torment won't leave until you, uh, you, you bow before Jesus and you come to Christ, put your faith in Christ, and then you choose to forgive and you find freedom. And literally, we have coached people that we get to this, thank God for forgiving you. They go, we don't know anything about that. And so we'll share the gospel with them at that point, and they'll put their faith in Jesus. Then we'll say, "Yep." Now you have to apply that blood to somebody to the to the next person, so you can't. You you receive the freedom, you receive forgiveness. You have to pass it on. So we probably come back to repent of your sin of unforgiveness. This is where your freedom comes. It right. cleans your pipe. Um, did that answer your question? Yes. Yeah, so so now you said the next one is uh, I think you've said you switched to the God, blood. Please ask God. Yes. Ask God, who do I forgive and for what? Now, here's here's a, an important distinction. We don't forgive people. We forgive wounds that are caused by people. It doesn't work to say I forgive my dad for what? Existing, he's created in the image of God. But no, I forgive my dad for not showing up at my ball games, for cheating on my mom, for deserting my family when we were a kid, or telling me I'd never be good enough. I forgive my mom for for making me feel like I was I was worthless or for shaming me or for whatever. Where are the root wounds? And what's interesting, Jeremy, we've coached, we're in the thousands of couples that we've coached to freedom. We have a 90 to 95 breakthrough rate, successful breakthrough rate in one city. Couples on their way to divorce, some people were divorced. One couple, she looked at me and said, I, when she sat down, the judge said, I had to see somebody. We had to see one other counselor, mediator, somebody. I didn't care who he picked you. Can we get this over with? And can we, so I can call the judge. That was her. That was the lead. In. Okay, this is going to be fun. Three and a half hours later, the same <laughs> woman looked at me and said, can, you're a pastor, right? And I said, been accused of that. Yes. And she said, can we renew our vows with you now? But what we find with every one of the couples we've coached, never not been the case. There's a wound that's causing the torment, that's driving the conflict in their relationship that predate the couple ever meeting. So there's a root wound we've buried. So how do you know where that root wound is? You ask the Holy Spirit. Ask God, who do you, why you want me to forgive? And what are the specific things he wants me to, you, you want me to forgive? And God will bring a name. And oftentimes, we're coaching someone, we'll listen to their story, and they'll talk all the way through, and we get to this point, and we say, okay, who, who, what's the first name? And it's somebody we haven't talked about. It's it's somebody I haven't thought about in that in years. So how do you get there? You ask God, who do I forgive and for what? Leading to protocol number four, which is you forgive each offense from your heart. Why from your heart? Because that's where you're wounded. Uh, you know, what, what, these are heart wounds. They're not head wounds. They're heart wounds from the core of who you are. Um, that's why you're going to forgive uh, actions and you forgive words. You're going to forgive inactions and words that weren't said. Right. So for my dad, so if your mother never told you, if you're if you're a young man, your mother never told you she was proud of you, or you're a young lady and your mother never says I love you, or your dad says never says you're beautiful and 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 cherished, or are through the son I'm proud of you. Those are do, those are deep wounds you have to forgive. So. 
You forgive each offense from your heart and stay with one person at a time. The first person, go with them until you deal with all the root wounds. And if there's quiet and there's silence, don't be afraid of the silence. Just listen. Holy Spirit, is there anything else? And that's where oftentimes the root wounds come in. And what, But when you're done, when the Holy Spirit is done, you say, I declare this person is no longer in my debt because I've transferred the debt, their debt, their sin to the cross of Jesus where he paid for it. So I think I that's forget. an important part yeah. part of it is doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's if if there's a if it's unsettled in any way, it's no longer unsettled between me and them. It's unsettled between them and God. I've sold that debt. I sold the note on this one, right? Like you, you we had a we we had a mortgage one time, and uh, uh, I, we bought a house. We refinanced the house, and about two years later, we stopped paying the company we refinanced with. Never sent them another check stop we paid every month but the reason we pay, we didn't pay them is because they sold the note to somebody else right, right. so there's now new yeah. new there's a new lien holder right mm-hmm. you're just transferring the debt to jesus but that, if there's a lien it's between him and them and god not between i'm out of it i'm i've been paid in full i'm satisfied so that's what you're doing with that i'm transferring that debt and then protocol number five this sometimes is the hard one but if you cannot do number five, you have not forgiven. This is what we call the validation protocol. You ask God to bless them and look for ways to bless them when possible. You can't bless someone you haven't forgiven. Unforgiveness wants them to pay. Vengeance, right? But true forgiveness wants them to be blessed. It's the kindness of God that leads us to forgiveness. When we were still in his enemy, God blessed us with the greatest blessing of all, the death of his son for us. So God, would you bless that person and bless them in the way in which they're wounded. They wounded you oftentimes. You know, we had one lady, uh, blessed her, her ex-husband who'd had an affair and married the new, uh, the new girl. Um, God, God led her to, for, to, to bless them by asking God to give them the kind of marriage that he originally wanted them to have. Um, you know, someone stole money from you, God bless them financially. Just, you're, you just bless them. And if they're passed away, if they passed away, you still need to bless them. You still forgive people. You're not forgiving people. You're forgiving wounds. And the wounds may be old wounds for people who passed away. Well, the way we bless that is we say, God, would you tell my dad or my mom or whoever it is that I've, I've forgiven them? And would you bless their memory? Would you change the way people think about them? Would you have people remember the good things, not the bad things? And would you bless the descendants? Those are some ways to do it. But just you got to part of grace. So those are pro, that's pro, those, those are the first five. At that point, people, Jeremy, we always ask, how's your heart? And is freedom. I can breathe again. My heart is light. Uh, I, I feel like a, a backpack just got taken off my shoulders. Uh, one lady in South Africa said, I came in with boulders in my chest. Now it's cotton candy. I mean, it's crazy what God does with that. And there's, there's a release and there's freedom. That's the tormentor. So you said the other two are really not the protocols of forgiveness, but you you included those in there too. The well, they, they're connected with forgiveness. So how do you deal with the memory? Because you're not, you can't choose, the people who say forgive and forget are foolish. You can't choose to forget something, right? You can't choose to forget something because in order to choose to forget something, you'd have to focus on the thing you're forgetting. You'll never forget the thing you're focusing on. So, you know, and you're not bringing the memory up. God's not bringing it to you. Satan's bringing it to you. So we just say specifically you know, that we choose not to remember it, just because the memory comes. I don't have to. Pl- I don't have to push DV- play on the DVR. 
So I say, I specifically remember forgiving that. I sold the note. I specifically remember forgiving that. And God, thank you for the freedom that I got when I chose to forgive. And God, would you bless that person again? If every time that memory comes, you turn it into praise and blessing, the enemy will leave you alone. So, But he'll try one other thing. He'll say, yeah, but you didn't forgive this. And Jeremy, he'll remind you of something you didn't forgive. At which time you say, thank you very much. I forgot all about that. From my heart, I choose to forgive this person for this thing. I transfer the debt to the cross. God, would you bless him really big, Satan? Is there anything else you want to remind me of now? And the last one is just choose to forgive everything ahead. We call it make pre-forgiveness a lifestyle. Just, just choose to recognize that, that everything that ever happens to you has already been paid for. Jesus paid for it. Uh, we don't have to quite, we don't ever, we, we have gotten now to the point that we don't have to make a choice. It's not a choice for us to forgive. It's an automatic. We just, yep. That the decision has been made. We just have to execute. Yeah. We always tell everybody that Jesus, he just, he just didn't die for, for all the sins that had happened up to that point. He died for all the sins that were going to happen for the rest of time. So why should we not forgive for all the sins that are going to happen to us for the rest of time too? So, so that, that's a very good point about forgiveness. Every sin he forgave us for was future at the point of the cross. Right, because we weren't born. Yeah. And when we, and, and Ephesians, 5, uh, Ephesians 1 rather tells us that Jesus chose to forgive us before the foundation of the world, which was before we sinned and before we were born, before anybody was born, before anything happened on earth. Jesus already made the decision that he would forgive us by dying. So, yeah, it's paid. Right. Yeah. It, since, so since I first heard you, that's one of the things I've added to my prayers every day is please help me to, I mean, I, I ask, you know, to help me forgive others, but you know, to, to actually pre-forgive others. I think it's been very powerful to, to add that to prayers. Okay. Yeah. And he will help you. He's already promised that. So I, I we just say, uh, Jesus, I, you remind me, I will, I will make the choice. So I, if as I said, this is definitely uh, something that uh, has given me a new perspective on forgiveness, and uh, I, I think it's something that, you know, if somebody comes to read your book, I I encourage them to read this book. I thought it was a very good book, Forgiving Forward. Um, you know, I I'm going to put information about it in the show notes uh, for people to read and and pick up and, and buy a copy. But uh, where else can listeners find you? Uh, information about you? Uh, forgivingforward.com. Just go to forgivingforward.com. You can find our book on Amazon and you're welcome to buy it there. We would prefer to that you go to forgivingforward.com to buy it because Amazon has enough money. Bezos has enough <laughs> money. Uh, and he takes a big cut out of that. So, uh, But if you buy it from Forgiving Forward, it, we're, we're a nonprofit. It go, everything goes into the ministry. Uh, so uh, that's that's there. So forgivingforward.com. Um, and you actually go to the website, you can actually watch me teach that first session, uh, the, the Matthew 18 piece and the connection with the gospel on a sermon uh, there. Um, and we also have a course, uh, the Forgiving Forward video series. Uh, it's called Take the Course, uh, and it's an eight-session video kind of explaining all of this. It last two, last last quadrant of it, which we haven't dealt with, is is how to help other people, how to recognize the sense of un the signs of unforgiveness and help somebody else forgive the way I did with Larry. 
we've done it in restaurants. We've done it in Waffle House. We've done it in hotels. We've done it on the street. We've done it in people's homes. We, we You can do it wherever you just the same way you can lead people to Christ. You can learn how to help somebody else forgive. So that's at the on the course. And uh, there's a blog that we put out most weeks. Um, and it's typically on Tuesday, uh, unless something weird happens and we don't get it out. But um, uh, And you can sign up for the blog on our website as well. So uh, I want to uh, thank you once again, Bruce, for uh, taking the time to meet with me today. Uh, and uh, want to uh, invite all the listeners to visit forgivingforward.com to buy the book. Uh, if you want to buy the video series, a uh, study guide out there too that, that I saw that uh, just, and I, I think there's a, um, email list that you can sign up for that I've been getting some emails as well. And, and, a, and I think a Facebook, uh, um, yeah, you can like us on Facebook, yes. on Instagram, right. all that stuff. I'm told that's important. I don't understand those things, but I'm told it's <laughs> working on that. It's not me, but, yeah. uh, but yeah. And, and the video is actually, you can do it online course, but we also have the hard copy of DVD and, uh, okay. and, and, and actually book, you can download the study guide on our course online, but you can also get the hard copy First dinosaurs who still have a DVR. <laughs> well, once again, once again, Bruce, pre appreciate you uh, joining us, and uh, and look forward to uh, helping forgive, uh, helping others forgive a lot more people. Uh, you know, I know, I know, this is a world where, unfortunately, people will continue to wound other people. So we need that spirit of forgiveness yeah. uh, every single day. I tell people the only people who don't need what we're teaching are the ones who've never been wounded. Yeah, <laughs> which, and, and, which we killed, and, the, and we killed the only guy who walked perfectly on the planet. So none of us are getting out of this unscathed. So yes. we need to get out of here. <laughs> well, well, thank you. And and as I um, said, if you uh, if you want more information, go to uh, forgivingforward.com and uh, yep. find out. And, we, and and just throw this last thing in: we do coaching, and we can do, do some through Zoom, and we have other people who are training to coaches and stuff. So if you really need some help. Have them contact uh, our office, and uh, we'll we'll see what we can do to help. All right. Okay. Thank you. All right, Jeremy. Blessings to you.